Welcome to the Mass Bar B podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public, and we feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law. I'm your host, Jordan Rich. You know, kids are our most precious resource, and today I'm having a discussion about the work done to help protect the rights of children in Massachusetts. I'm talking with attorney Jessica Berry, deputy director of the Children's Law Center of Massachusetts. And the first thing we'd like to do, Jessica, is outline what the Children's Law Center is all about. So we are a holistic legal services program. Um, We represent kids, broadly defined, uh, ages 0 to 22, and we represent them in a number of different areas. Biggest areas are education, which Mm -hmm. includes special education and school discipline. Um, We also represent kids in child welfare proceedings, which are the child requiring assistance, CRA cases, as well as the care and protection, the abuse and neglect cases. Also represent kids in delinquency and in immigration matters. We also, in amongst that, do a lot of... uh, advocacy for mental health services right. for so our it, clients. So it's a pretty diverse but uh, important population we're talking about here. And I'm looking at your target population list. And you mentioned uh, immigrants, uh, unaccompanied immigrant children. That is an issue in Massachusetts, as it is, I'm sure, all over the country. Age range from newborn to 22. Yes, especially with the kids involved with the child welfare system, as well as the kids involved with the education system, they have rights up until they're in, in involved with those systems up until they're 22. So we want to be sure to be there from birth to 22 when they should be receiving the mm-hmm. right, those rights that they're entitled now, to. Now, Jessica, the assumption is that these are children on their own, but oftentimes they're children within families too. Correct. Yep. Okay. So for those parents listening, for those guardians, for those involved in a child's care, they should know about your organization and what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we run a help. So we do a variety of things in mm-hmm. addition to individual representation. We also run a helpline. Um, we do policy work and we also do trainings, community-wide trainings. And so we train parents, service providers, kids. We, we recently did a, a training on bullying for a group of kids at a local YMCA, um, did a little bingo game that was fun. Especially with our helpline, the biggest number of calls that we get on our helpline are around education, uh, specifically special education. Because of changing times and and changing mores and changing laws, I mean, our kids are always, unfortunately, at the crux of a lot of these things that happen. They become victimized because they're kids. Right. So it's important for you to keep up the fight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just looking at each case from a very individual individualized level, looking at the individual child, making sure that that individual child is getting the services that they are legally entitled to, regardless if that child is in a family system or not. It's a very important role Mm -hmm. for us to do that. Let's talk further about who you serve, because it's easy to say children uh, between zero and 22, but let's talk about the demographics. And I have a a survey sheet here that you've provided me with 75% under 18. Correct. Yeah. So So the vast majority of them are children we serve are zero to 18. And this is a stat that kind of relates to the immigration issue, I guess, but 36%, the highest percentage, are Latino in Massachusetts. Yeah. So we do have a very big immigration practice. And so certainly um, there are a number of Latino children that we represent in the Mm -hmm. immigration context, but we also represent um, Latino children in the special education context and in the child welfare context. In the child welfare system, Latino kids are are overrepresented. It's not that unusual. There would be a large proportion of Latino children. One more more stat, which kind of makes sense, obviously, that this would be a population you'd have to pay attention to. And that's 84% of these children below a certain 
poverty level. Correct. We do serve primarily low-income um, children and families. We do on our helpline, we, we strive to help pretty much whoever calls. But in terms of the cases that we take, um, as a legal services uh, organization, we represent kids in poverty. We, we were talking prior to coming on the air to do the podcast about what's in the news, what's happening right now, what are some of the current issues? And you mentioned the permanency question. Yeah. So probably a lot of people have seen the, there's been a lot of uh, stories recently in the in the news about DCF, kids bouncing from placement to placement in the foster care system and mm-hmm. sort of the um, limited resources, both for foster families, but also the limited number of foster families and foster placements for those kids. And that's really focused on the front end of the system, sort of kids coming into care. And of course, because of the opioid crisis and because of, you know, a couple of major tragedies that occurred a few years ago in Massachusetts, the numbers of kids in foster care have increased substantially in the last few years. But permanency is sort of the back end of the foster care system. So in order to decrease the number of kids in foster care, you prevent them from coming into foster care, but you also get them out of foster care sooner. And that's sort of the idea behind permanency. Mm -hmm. They're in the foster care system, but, you know, many people have heard the adage, the state does not make a good parent. So the idea is to get kids out of the foster care system. Ideally, reunify them with their parents. But if that's not possible, move them out into adoptive homes, into guardianships, into sort of another permanent placement with kin. We're talking about children and their rights and child advocates here in Massachusetts. And we've got these very effective guides, which are very well spelled out. And we'll talk a little bit about some of these terms in general. These are quick references on various topics. Let's talk about school discipline. We often hear about children, students who are disciplined, expelled. Uh, Give me an example of where you step in to help someone to help a student? Sure. When um, in a situation in which a child is facing either a suspension or an expulsion, you know, the family would contact us and we would uh, represent that child in the discipline proceedings. In Massachusetts, if a child is expelled from one school system, no other school system has to take that child. So you could have a child as young as 12, Mm. I mean, sometimes younger, who is expelled from the school system. And that means that essentially they cannot go back to school. So trying to get involved to make sure that the school district are following the law and going through the discipline procedure as they need to. I think it's kind of interesting, and many people may not have even thought about the fact that children who are dealing with disciplinary measures have rights, and there's an organization that is stepping in to defend them. Yes, I, I don't think that's a very well known I, I, thing. I think well, one of the great things you're doing by showing up and doing our podcast, and we really appreciate that, is letting us know about that. So it also goes and extends, of course, to children with special needs, and this is a whole other area that really requires expert care and delicate care, doesn't it? Yes. So both in this school discipline context, but also just in the context of getting the appropriate educational services for kids, kids who um, have special needs, Mm. they're entitled to special education services under both federal and state law. And in the school discipline context, they are also entitled to additional procedures to make sure that the school district is not disciplining them for their disability. So in that sense, kids with special needs, you you do have to take particular care. So this is really important. Parents who are frustrated and have not had an opportunity to get anywhere in terms of special needs for their kids in school, uh, they might want to definitely turn to your organization for help. How can they do that? Well, they can call our helpline. We run a helpline, um, 888-KID-LAW-8 number. That's 888-KID-LAW-8, and we'll repeat that as we go along. One of the really interesting facets, of course, is mental health. And unfortunately, it's true, the state of mental health care for adults is tough enough, but for children, it's equally tough, particularly those who are underprivileged. 
What are you doing to help those kids? So we do a lot of mental health advocacy, mostly in the context of our other cases. Um, But certainly if a family calls us on our helpline, we are happy to help them navigate the mental health system because it can be very complicated. There is a a MassHealth program. MassHealth is Massachusetts Medicaid called the Children's Behavioral Health Initiative, uh, which offers a robust array of mental health services for kids. And we can absolutely help families uh, navigate accessing those services. We also in our cases, we'll help our clients access those services or if they are being denied services. We act as both lawyer and in some ways, social worker attempting Mm -hmm. to find the appropriate services for our client, but also putting our lawyer hat on, overcoming any obstacles that they might face to accessing those services. Jessica, do you get calls directly from, say, teenagers? We do. The area in which we get the largest number of calls from teenagers is around emancipation, which is not an actual thing in Massachusetts. Um, Emancipation means when you turn 18, you are emancipated. It means that you can make individual decisions for yourself. You can sign things. You can sign a lease. You can sign permissions. Emancipation is an idea earlier than 18 where you would have to go into the Mm. court and basically ask a judge for that permission. I'm a 16-year-old. kind of divorcing your parents in a sense. Divorcing your parents. That's the the colloquial way of putting it. Exactly. But in Massachusetts, we really don't have a process for that. But teenagers will call us if they're in really tough situations with their families Mm -hmm. or they're trying to figure out sort of a different arrangement for themselves, they will call us and ask about emancipation. I would say that's probably the most number of calls we get. We will also get calls from kids in DCF custody wanting to know more about um, sort of what rights they have or were formerly in DCF custody and kind of knowing about the rights. Well, I would imagine that juveniles who are in the correction system, you know, had at least a public defender in their trial process. They have to by law. But tell me what happens to them once they're in a juvenile correction program. Who helps them? Who guides them? Is this another facet of your work? In terms of the what we call post-dispositional, mm-hmm. um, when they've already become involved with the juvenile justice system and are now involved with the Department of Youth Services, we do a little bit of that, but we don't do as much about that. The Center for CPCS, the Committee for Public Counsel Services, mm-hmm. and their Youth Advocacy Division, they really do more work around those youth. And let's talk a little bit further because we kind of mentioned it briefly, the CRA, Children Requiring Assistance. That's the acronym. So tell us how that enters into it. Sure. So the Child Requiring Assistance, it is a child welfare law. It's what we would call a status offender. So in Massachusetts, it's kids who are running away, kids who are um, not truant, not going to school, Mm -hmm. kids who are having a lot of behavioral difficulties in school, kids who are um, have been sexually trafficked. And the last category is what we colloquially call stubborn, but it tends to be kids who are pretty... um, out of control to the point where they're not obeying their parents and it's dangerous for them. So sort of kids staying out all night, maybe a little bit violent in their home or just generally unruly. Well, there is an element in your work then at the center of, you're right, social work and psychology as well as, and counseling as well as legal help. Because you're talking about fragile vessels, if I can use that term, at this age. And man, there's a lot of variables. Yes, we do not have a social worker on staff, but as the lawyers in the program, we do a lot of sort of use of experts. Um, so mm-hmm. trying to get psychologists and social workers as experts to help inform us and help sort of like in a medical malpractice case, you would never mm-hmm. go forward with a medical malpractice case without a doctor as an expert. Certainly. We do something similar in, in every context, in the education context, in the immigration context, in the child welfare context. We have experts that we rely on to really help us get that information. Jessica, you've been doing this for 10 years and I credit you for doing such a great job. What do, what gives you a high about doing this? 
the kids, I mean, as, as sort of trite as that sounds, mm. the kids that I've met and I've worked with are just some of the most unbelievably resilient and talented with so much potential. And just mm. the idea that I can have a very small part in unlocking that potential or at least not blocking that potential. I mean, that is what keeps me going every day. I, I can tell when we talked on the phone and when I met you, have a, an energy about you because you love the work you're doing and it is important. And how is the relationship between this organization that you represent here today and, say, state bureau, state organizations that have to do similar things, have to keep kids in line and help kids. You have a good working relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the in terms of the sort of systemic work, we, of course, would draw upon all the partners. All the stakeholders have a very important role to play, no matter if it's if we're against them kind of on council's table at, on occasion. So in our policy work and our systemic work, and even in our individual work, everything works better if we are working together as much as possible to the, to the extent that we have different point of views, because I represent my child client and they represent their agency, then we have those discussions either in the context of um, an education dispute or in court if it's child welfare or juvenile justice. But of course, we're going to be collegial and try to work. The basic goal is to help kids. I mean, who among us doesn't want to help kids in one capacity or another? We're all on the same team here. It's just getting there sometimes maybe a little different. There is one issue that I wanted to ask you to talk about, and that's the funding for your organization. Because I've read in various places and on the website and elsewhere, that there have been programs that have been cut back because of funding. Where does the funding come from? And want to make an appeal? This is a good way to do it. <laughs> yes, thank you. First of all, we we want to thank absolutely the Mass Bar Association through their foundation, the Mass Bar Foundation. Mm-hmm. We get generous support from them, from um, the Boston Bar Foundation, as well as MLAC. I know Lynn Parker, who's now the executive. She's, she's been here. Yep, she's been here. So um, MLAC supports us, and we also get other sort of funding from private foundations, Eastern Bank, United. Way. Cummings Foundation has been a huge support for our immigration work. Um, we also have individual donors. Um, to the extent that anyone listening would be interested in donating, they can go to our website and click on the donate link. We also have a page on the Mighty Cause mm-hmm. website if people are familiar with that. The website is clcm.org, Children's Law Center of Massachusetts, celebrating 40 years back in 2017. Final question. Do you find that there's a surprised population that's not aware of this service that we're providing for kids? I mean, do you have to always educate people that you're here? Absolutely. I think it's unusual to represent children. I mean, and so for us at the at Children's Law Center, we are the attorneys for the kids. So we we advocate for, we're client directors, so we advocate for what they want. And I think people surprised and a little put off by the idea that kids needs attorneys. Because as you had mentioned earlier, everybody has the best interest of kids at heart. So the idea that there is an agency that needs to exist in order to mm. to provide representation to those, to those kids is a little bit off-putting. I think also in many aspects of the law that we practice are very, very technical in terms of the immigration, DCF, the child welfare, education. And I think people are surprised by that. You know, you just, you send your kid to school and just assume that they're being educated and don't not everybody knows that there's this very intricate um, special education law or there are these very specific procedures that school districts have to follow if they want to discipline kids, especially long term. And the same in the immigration context, you know, the debate is is waging very broadly, but it's very different for kids. Um, And it's again, it's very technical. And I don't think people necessarily Mm -hmm. understand the needs, um, the the legal needs of kids. We'd like to mention another resource for people. Information is power. And you have shown me some books. Booklets that you produced 
that is now part of the Youth at Risk Conference. Tell us about that. Starting back in around 2013, the Law Center, particularly my executive director, Jay McManus, really identified the fact that there were all these resources in the community, but there was no sort of central place where people could look up and find them. And when I'm talking about resources, all kinds of resources, um, housing for domestic violence, for after-school program, for mentorship. So we embarked on this effort to create what we termed our community resource manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we did it that first year. And then the Youth at Risk Conference, which is a big conference for social ser- for social service providers, for attorneys, school personnel, DCF workers, basically any professional who works with youth at risk. That committee picked up this manual and started producing it for the Youth at Risk Conference, which occurs end of May or beginning of June. It's for the Essex County. We now have one for both Southern Essex County and Northern Essex County, uh, Merrimack Valley. And we update them every Every other year. And you can find the most recent community resource manuals at www.salemstate.edu backslash YAR stands for youth at risk. So that was www.salemstate.edu backslash YAR. And they're just really great resources if you are working in Essex County for youth. Before we go, let's remind people of the Children's Law Center of Massachusetts helpline. It's 1-888-KID-LAW-8. Once again, 1-888-KID-LAW-8. Eight. Jessica Berry, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing with us what the organization is all about and what some of the needs are and how you're trying to help these kids. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Mass Bar B podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. You can call them at 866-627-7577. Once again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich, thanking you for listening.